The Speak Easier podcast by the Unmistakables. Welcome to another episode of The Speak Easier, the podcast where we try to unpack issues around diversity and inclusion. And I'm very pleased to say that we've got a new guest host in the seat today, and that's none other than Kathia. Kathia, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, so I'm Kathia and I'm an inclusive research consultant within the Unmistakable team and I'm really excited to be here today. So Kathia, our guest today is none other than Mr Motivator MBE. I know. Can you believe we've got TV royalty? So exciting. What's your earliest memory of Mr Motivator? So, I mean, I have, I have, I'm not going to lie, so I've only really got to know Mr Motivator in the last few years because he turned up um, at Tesco headquarters um, a few years ago as part of their centenary celebrations and I ended up watching a good hour and a half of YouTube YouTube what do you call them YouTube deep dives um, of all of his videos and I just wish I'd I'd actually known him when I was younger and, and watched more of his videos but just love the vibe love the outfits love the exercise great vibes He's one of those people like Anton Deck, yes, or Kat Dealey, or Chris Evans that you just grew up with in the UK yeah. um, on TV screens. And he's back. He's got um, a new book. He's got a, a club. I'm so excited. So let's just stop talking and get straight into the conversation. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. The Speak Easier podcast by the Unmistakables. Um, right, Sir Sir Motivator is what we're told. <laughs> Sir Uncle Sir Motivator. And don't forget, best looking man in the house. Wow, okay. I don't take that personally, but fine. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to agree. Hey, thank, thank you, Cathy. You see, you've got good taste. Look at the head here. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> good taste. Wow. Okay, well, welcome to the speak easier your highness motivator today um so you may or may not know that the speak easier is all about opening up a conversation when it comes to the world of diversity inclusion identity all of the above um but we start with a very very simple exercise which is a word association game so i'm going to say a word you just say whatever comes to your mind clear clear your mind out and the first word is fitness I think of the best looking man in the world, Mr. Motivator, straight away. <laughs> okay, uh, great. Uh, I'm going to go to racism. Uh, opportunity. I'm going to go to fashion. Stylish like me. Uh, I'm going to go to lockdown. Uh, another, guess what? Opportunity again. Okay, lots of opportunity here. We're mm. going to have to keep going on that. And mm. then what about life? Um, being happy. Okay, great. This is a great start. I'm, I feel motivated already. It's in the name. So tell and, us. And you haven't even paid me. Imagine if you, <laughs> imagine if you were paying me. I mean, hey. Oh, who knows what would happen? We, <laughs> we can only pay you with our respect and the three bows that we'll do at the Thank end. Thank you, I do love those pictures behind you, by the way. Those birds, I mean, oh. I look lost. The three birds. Well, they did. <laughs> the one at the one at the other end is looking back at them. But just why, why don't we paint a picture then? So there's birds behind me. Not 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 birds in that sense, but birds as in pictures on the yes. on the wall. Uh, why mm -hmm. don't you tell us where you where you are today? Where what what are the readers 
seeing but not i'm sitting in my my little office which is where all my um thinking goes on in fact normally when i do these lives i do it in another room uh which is a bit more user friendly but behind me i've obviously put it's actually called product placement uh let me just turn it around because it's funny you should ask that look at that amazing eh? the warm-up what's the warm-up the warm-up is my life story I see. Available now on Amazon. And any other good bookshops or just on Amazon? Well, just on Amazon, because you know me, I, I, I realize that the people who want to read my book probably can't afford more than fourteen ninety nine. So. And they want it quick. They want it fulfilled quickly in their home. You see, that's it. That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You can keep that line. That is also, can I just say that is also very inclusive of you? There you go again. I really like that. I like that. There you go. But, you know, the thing is, you know, when I started and got into fitness, my whole aim was to actually try and make fitness accessible to everybody, no matter what your age, no matter what your ability, no matter what your beliefs are, right? The thing is, no one should be excluded when it comes to your well-being, looking after yourself physically, mentally, in, in whatever way. Do you, so do you think people are excluded? Yeah, lots of times. Oh, they feel excluded. That's the important thing, because I can imagine... Listen, if you get up out of your bed or off your couch and go, look, I want to take on a fitness regime and you go to join a gym, that first thing you see when you walk in through that door could be quite intimidating and it could be off-putting for many reasons. It could be because maybe when you look around, everyone is slim and looking good. If you think about it, when you do make that big step to go into a gym or any exercise class and you look around and you see people maybe dressed not like like you would probably like to be dressed, but you haven't really got to to that level as yet. That can be off-putting. If you maybe are dressed differently because of your cultural background, that may actually put you off. Um, If you look around and it's all male there and you're a lady, that could also put you off. So there are many reasons. And so for me, I've always felt that what we should do, whatever we can or whatever I did, was to make sure that no one is excluded. So recently I was doing a class, a free one, and there were loads of people on there who have uh, Down syndrome. And it was just so great. And I had a letter from the lady from from the association who said it was so good to be doing a class where everybody was actually doing it together. Because ordinarily, someone with Down syndrome would not have felt comfortable going into a gym or going into a hall or whatever it is. So do you think fitness has become a bit of an industry? And there's like a look and the way that Instagram is and the way that it all works is is a bad thing? Yeah, well, I think the fitness industry, and if we look at gyms, I think they've messed up badly. I think, number one, what they've done is actually every year they create new things, new regimes, new names, when in fact all you've done is actually not reinvented, but you've actually just changed the name of something that we used to do years before. So interval training is now becoming the P90X or the HIT, but that was always around, right? Um, So, And the other thing that they've messed up on is that they have gone away from personal service. So imagine the work that comes into you getting up and walking across the road into a gym. That is a big step. So, but they give you a key and say, let yourself in. We will show you the machines and then we'll leave you. And when you're finished, close the door behind you. That's wrong. What they should be doing is holding your hand from the moment you walk in and say, look, I'm here for you if you need me, right? Let me show you, but guess what? I'm gonna check on you occasionally to make sure you're okay. The only time we ever hear from a gym is when, in fact, you've stopped your standing order. They never call you up and go, why haven't you been to classes recently? How come we haven't seen you um, at classes? Why aren't you turning up? And, in fact, that's what they should be doing. And that's why I decided 
uh, to set up my own online club to make sure that we provide people with all that kind of service that they need. And also to get people away from the feeling that you've got to be able to do 30 minutes of activity or 45 minutes. If you can only manage six minutes, here is six minutes of activity I'm going to give you. Because guess what? If I get you doing six minutes, the chances are tomorrow you'll do 12 minutes. And so it goes on. How long has the club been running for? I think you launched it in March from what we've read. Yeah, just launched it literally two weeks ago. Yeah. And what's the, what's the response been like? Brilliant. Every single person love it. You need to go on there. Because the thing is, initially, I was focusing on much more the, the older age group. But then I realized that the deconditioned market, the person who don't do anything, almost has the same requirements as someone who's older. They need help. They need guidance. They need small amount of exercise. They need you to instruct them to make sure they understand their body and what their body is capable of doing. They need you to correct them when they're doing something wrong. The, the deconditioned market and the older market are the same. And so therefore, it's been really good because we provide not just fitness, we provide guidance on sensible eating. Um, maybe if you're under stress, we help you to identify your stress levels. And then on top of that, we have these rooms that you can go into where if you want to hear a wonderful story of maybe a lady who had a double hand transplant, and what life has been for her since, you'll be able to hear her story. Uh, to a guy, young man at 13, he had to have one of his legs taken off because of cancer. And now he's become a professional golfer. That's what you'll get from the Mr. Motivator Club. It's all about you feeling good, being inspired, because everybody's life story can inspire the other person. It's so inspiring just in itself that you've created like a safe space for everyone. And I guess that's one of the things that I, I've had a look at, um, obviously we've had a look at your Mr. Motivator Club website. There are three things that stood out for me. So number one, how colorful it is. It's so great. It just, it brings so much joy. Thank you. So I wanted to hear more about that from you. Um, number two, yeah, like you, it was interesting you talking about pricing earlier because I actually think it's a really good price and so accessible for so many people who might, you know, they might look at gyms normally and say, oh my God, I can't afford that. But actually I'd love to, you know, get guidance from someone who is good at fitness, X, Y, and Z. So that's really interesting. Um, Tell me a bit about about that. Like, what 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 drove your website, your vision, your brand, all of it? Yeah, I, obviously, my brand, the whole marketing of my brand has been critical because I maintain that if I'd gone on television in a black pair of shorts and a white top, you and I probably would not be speaking today. So, so putting together that that marketing image was really important. And also, when I'd looked at all the people before who had gone before, there's only one that most people remember. And it was a lady called the Green Goddess. And why did you remember her? Because she was dressed in green and blonde hair. And that's why you remembered her. You don't remember the exercises as such. But then I thought I need to go one further. And that was to create the kind of environment that no matter what, you're going to feel motivated. I can't give you motivation, but I think I can create the environment for you to feel motivated. So what is it? It's attitude. It's music. It's um, the sense of fun and laughter. It's never taking it really serious. It's actually saying to you, it should really kind of, Fitting as a bit like brushing your teeth one day. If you don't brush your teeth, you don't feel right. And that's how fitness should be. If you don't do a bit someday, you go, you know what, I'm going to get up and sit down, get up and sit down. It's also giving people the fitness message in a way in which they can digest it easily. So, so the whole color, the whole marketing of that was important. Pricing was critical. Uh, because I felt, look, we could, I could have gone really exclusively and gone, let's charge £20 a month and stuff like that. And I didn't. I said, look, let's do it at a nominal price and go for the majority of people. And 6 is almost a cup of coffee 
that you that you'll buy when you go down to McDonald's or wherever. And we're looking at putting on days out where people who belong to the club can meet up on a day out. And on that day out, they'll get all the elements of the club, but in one location. We're looking at actually doing trips to um, a beach, like, for example, going down to Brighton Beach. And what we will do is we'll actually get permission from the council. And on the beach, we'll have a mass workout with everybody. Because I believe that what we need to do right now, and we've learned this over the lockdown, is that we need to more than ever create the environment where people are not lonely. Because loneliness has been a major killer for a lot of people. And so I'm trying to create this space where people feel that it's almost like you feel like you belong. And so when you go in, right, it's welcoming, it's charming. And make them realize that, you know, the thing is, you're not alone. And that's important. Can I ask you about the word belonging then? Because it sounds like you you really, that's what you're focusing on. And I think a lot of companies at the moment are talking about belonging, people belonging in their organization or in the team. Do you yes. think that you're able to create a sense of belonging based on your own experiences throughout life, knowing what it's like to belong, not belong? Well, I, th I think it, I think it's important that, you know, when you've come from where I've come from, which is like being given away at three months of age, right? You end up in a family which don't change your name. So as far as you're concerned, you're different, but you're part of that family. Belonging becomes an important issue from, from that age. And I was three months of age. Um, but all the while, you kept wanting, you kept trying to find your identity. Who are you really? Who do you take after? Um, you know, uh, do you take after who was your mom or who was your dad? Are you going to assume the identity of the people who are now looking after you? When you sit down and look, would you look at, even though my name is Evans, and I look at my father, who's called a Rose, and my, my, my mother is Rose, are you going to take something from each of them, even though genetically you're not linked? Uh, and so belonging has always been a factor. And I think if you look at it, as black people, Indians, Chinese, whatever it is, our sense of belonging has always been important to all of us, right? Uh, it's just that what's happened is that it's got watered down a lot by society and also by integration. It's got watered down a lot. And when it waters down, you can lose some of that sense of belonging, right? Whereas I think that um, there's certain elements through my life that's actually made me felt, feel wanted. So if you leave the home of that I grew up in and then look at my surroundings. I lived in Leicester. And when living in Leicester, I used to go to the boys' brigade and I used to go to youth clubs and stuff like that. And there were a group of us who go riding out on our Lambretta scooters and our Vespa scooters. We used to go camping together. What's that all about? That's all about belonging and feeling like you're part of what's going on. And I think that makes you stronger as you grow up because those foundation stones are critical for what makes us who we are. And a lot of kids nowadays don't have that sense of belonging. In fact, what they, they, they distrust adults because they see too many situations where adults abuse children. They see too many situations where kids, um, my, the extended family for me looked after me. You know, if they saw me out on the streets late before I got home, they'd have told my parents that they saw me out on the street late. Um, they would reprimand me. They would uh, tell me off. If I saw the teacher on, on the street, as light as day, he would reprimand me if I was doing something wrong. That was the extended market. And that was the extended family. And so the whole sense of belonging, yeah, is important to think for all of us. And tell us about the, the journey, because you mentioned being black yeah. and how that's shaped um, who you are, your experiences. And it's something that we as a business have been thinking and talking about 
a lot what's happened over the last 12 months. Sure. It seems like we can't go another day without looking at these culture wars that are going on, what, mm. what's going on for black communities. And on one of our earlier podcasts, we had June Sarpong on. Yes. And she talked a lot about being black on television and what that was like and her experiences around that. When you when you look back now, um, do do you look back and and think about your black identity and your television career and and look at it differently through the lens through which we're seeing race today, or or how do you see it? Well, you know, all I know is I came from the days when prejudices were, were rife. I mean, you went for a job, the guy would say to you, "Why didn't you tell me you were black?" Um, you go to another department within the company, and they go, "We don't normally employ a black person in this department." You're walking down the street and people would look around at you. So you turn around and wave. Uh, I stayed in the first home I stayed in was a bed and breakfast. It was owned by a Jewish lady. And when I arrived, you could tell she was trying to put me off. She didn't want me to stay there. She kept she put the prices up instead of me being able to book for one night. She said you got to book for three nights instead of it being one pound fifty. It was now three pounds a night. And so it went on. That was prejudices. That's ignorance. Racism is something which is actually a bit smarter than that, because often you don't know. You don't know why you didn't get that job, really. You know, you go, well, I think I have the right qualifications. But if if the guy making the decision looks at two people with identical identical qualifications, will he go for the person who is not black or will he go for the person who's black? In the television industry, for 10 years, they kept telling me that a black man doing fitness on television would never work. It had to be a blonde lady with two kids, right, who would do fitness and that's what would work. And then when the opportunity came up for me to get on television, the advertisers at the time said, uh, no, we won't advertise around a black man doing fitness on television. Now we're going back here to only 1992. Wow. Right? But that's how it was then. That's how it was. Now, the, the, the thing about being black is that I don't need a reminder that I'm black because every day when I get up, I look in the mirror, I'm black. If you're an Indian, every time when you get up and look in the mirror, you know you're Indian. No one needs to tell you. An Irishman, it's only when he opens his mouth, you know, he's Irish. Yeah. Same thing with someone who's Jewish, probably. It's only when he starts speaking or giving his name that you know, right? Um, but a black person live it every single day. So when you don't get the opportunities to grow, like you see them doing at the moment in television, where they'll take someone who gets 15 minutes of fame, has no experience in television, and yesterday they'll bring them forward and give them all these different jobs to do, you realize that what they're doing is they're creating the environment for that person to grow and to be successful. Now, when I came on television first, the only two areas you see black people in were comedians or reading the news. When you look around now, where are we? Reading the news, television, comedians, and maybe some in films and stuff like that. Not widely, not widely seen, not widely seen. I have to say the one change I've noticed is that there are far more people of Indian descent who are now in television reading the news and stuff like that. But even so, do you notice where we are? Reading the news and being comedians. Now, is that racism? Is that restricted trade, trade practice? Is that holding black people back? Because I believe that my experience is such that in fact, broadcasters should be saying, listen, everybody knows Motivator. Why don't we give him his own show? Yes, I've never had my own show. They get they use me to come on different shows, do a little bit here, a little bit there, but that's all they give me. Why don't they go, why don't you present this show? I was gonna ask you actually, because obviously 
one of the big things in lockdown has been Joe Wicks having his own exercise segment, right, on national television. And every kid, every household in, in the UK has has been watching that and getting fit. And you were actually one of the people I thought of. I was like, everybody knows who you are. Um, was that something that you ever wanted to do? You, did you ever approach them on things like that? Because, you know, it's for me, it's been interesting, this whole breakthrough thing. Like, how did you break through to be visible as a black man on TV doing exercise? Yeah, d- doing what you do, basically. Like, how, how did you do that? What was your journey? Well, well, all I know is, right, that there, there has never been and there never will be, I don't think, another motivator. There'll be lots of other fitness people, but there won't be because the character is such right that how do you how do you improve on that character you can go well here i am doing fitness but that's all you can say joe wicks is joe wicks actually i must correct it he wasn't on television doing fitness he had his own youtube channel doing fitness but it just that uh, he was promoting he was getting the opportunity to promote it via television and people kept making the comparison and saying that he's the new miss mr motivator he's not he's joe wicks that's all he is right and the longevity in this industry is what's key right now in this last year in fact in fact this last two months the amount of schools who have been in touch with me saying can you please do something for our school when it comes to fitness because joe wicks was locked down one can you do something so i set up three weeks ago one school got in touch and i said well i don't just do one school he said no i got loads of schools are interested we ended up doing 52 schools nearly five thousand children right, on, on Zoom with nearly 800 screens doing mass class for everybody for 20 minutes. Every kid love it. I've got all the reports. They all love it. Since then, it's been a mushroom. Because what is it? I'm still Mr. Motivator. I'm still going to be here in 20 years' time. My unitard may not fit as well as it fits now, but, it's still, but I'll still be around. But where is Joe Wicks? And don't forget my appeal is across to every age group. And so therefore, an older person will go, I grew up watching him. My parents used to put me on in front of the screen. And every new child goes, oh, we love Mr. Motivator. I can show you all the reports. So I don't think we should ever bring him into the conversation because I think he found a niche and a time when they needed it. But the measure of everything is, how long can you stay there doing it? I'm still here 27, 28 years later. I, uh, and I think that that's so key because we grew up watching you. And what I find, I want to ask this, but I, I don't know what the answer would be. A lot of people ask us, why are we called The Unmistakables? That's the name of our company. Mm-hmm. Why are you Mr. Motivator? Was there ever any other names in contention? Mr. Energizer, Mr. Fabulous? Like, was it always Motivator? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, it's, you know how every one of us gets a light bulb moment, don't we? When either all the elements collide and you go, wow, that's what I'm going to do, because that's what's happened with me with fitness. 1983, a leisure center in Harrow, walking in, hearing loads of noise coming from a room, looking to the room, 100, 200, I don't know how many women were in there exercising, and I was transfixed. That was my light bulb moment, the first one. And so from then on, I wanted to actually teach fitness, but I didn't know how to do it. So I rented a, a hall in Neesden, put two of the ladies from that very same class running the classes for me. I was at the back still watching what they're doing. After about a month, I said, thank you very much. Goodbye. I'm going to do it myself. I started doing it. The, my classes became some of the, they were the biggest classes in London. People would travel 20 miles to come to my classes. We had on some evenings, 125 people working out. 
the word spread about my classes. Before I knew it, the Heart Foundation wanted me to go around the country talking to people about exercising for life. I didn't know anything about exercise other than here was an idea I was exploiting. So I started researching, looking into it, but there wasn't much around. There were no qualifications to be had in those days in 1985. No one, there was nothing. There was only the YMCA who was doing something, but that was it. There was nothing really. And, um, and so it was kind of a journey that started like that, where all the pieces came into place that led me to where I am. But essentially, it was one day I got the opportunity to do something for this morning. And Judy Finnegan, who was a presenter, I remember her hearing my ears, she used to, they used to send me out into the shopping center to get people moving. And I remember saying, there's a guy out there, I'm going to call him the motivator, getting people working out. And I thought, Mr. Motivator. So immediately I registered it, Mr. Motivator. And that's how it was born. And that was it. That's that's brilliant. Having grown up in Harrow and gone to Harrow Leisure Centre, it's nice to hear that that was start part of the journey. Um, yeah, it was. Maybe yeah. who knows? Maybe eighty three. My mum was in your class, but you never know. <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> probably. But yeah. what what's so fascinating is well, and I I guess there's there's a lot of people who'll be listening thinking they put on lockdown weight. How are we all going to shed this lockdown weight? Yeah. Um, and and I think there's a bit of shaming around that, but especially like on on social media, people see, as you say, like different images. There's a lot of pressure for young people to look a certain way. Um, yes. There's a lot of pressure in the gay community, for example, with gay men to look a certain way. And sure. how can we combat that? What can every individual do? Because you're doing this at a big level, but I guess there's smaller things we can all do. Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that we've got to look in the mirror and love what we see. That's the first thing. You know, how can you expect anybody to love you, right, if you don't love yourself? I just feel like so RuPaul's going to burst in and go, can I get an amen? <laughs> <laughs> so so I, think that, I think that's that's really important because, you know, the, the, I've, I've said this many times. Of, during this lockdown, there's only four things I've learned, really. Um, actually, there's five things. The first thing I've learned is that a new car doesn't matter, new television set doesn't matter. None of those things matter. There's only been four things that really matter, and those four things are, one, do you have a roof over your head? There was a time when I was homeless and didn't have a roof over my head. So I know the importance of that. That is a wonderful blessing. Two, do you have food in the fridge? If you have food in the fridge, that's another amazing blessing. Number three, do you have your health? More than ever, we know the importance of our health. And it should be that you're looking around to try and find your health. And when you see it, it's down the road trying to catch up. Whatever you do every day in terms of the effort you put into your business, your work or whatever, you must make sure at least 10% of that time is spent on your health. And the fourth thing is, is love. Love has been more important than ever this last year. And we've actually all learned the importance of a loving hug, right? And uh, the importance of, you know, having someone who loves you or you love them equally, but if you don't have that loving yourself. So what, what do I see as the starting point for everybody? If at the moment, when you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see and you want to make some changes, well, then there are numerous ways you can do it. Number one, you can actually get in touch with me. Number two, all the ammunition is out there. All the information is there in terms of you want to make a change. But you've got to get your mind in gear. Your mind has got to agree with what your body is telling you. So if your body is saying, you know what, I don't like where I feel, I don't like where, and your mind is saying to you, but you're all right, you're going to have to sort out that confusion because a successful athlete is only successful if his mind tells him he's going to win. If his mind tells him you've lost the race, straight away he's lost the race even before he gets in front of the starting blocks. So you need to get your mind and body in sync. 
And once you've done that, there's so much you can do. And right now I can change the posture for both of you just by giving you a few words. See, immediately I can see you, Assad, starting to sit up straight. And I didn't do anything. Just the mere fact I said that, you did. Right? Okay, so, but just imagine if I said these words to you, I like the way. <laughs> I like the way Kathy is. Kathy we're is both, for the, the listeners can't see us, but we're, Kathy has got her shoulders back. I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, we're here. Okay, we're ready. Posture lessons. Okay, but here's the trick with that. Imagine there's an orange between your shoulder blades. I'd want you to gently, with your shoulder blades, just gently squeeze out the juice of that orange. Now, when you start squeezing it gently, what happens? You get the juice. No. <laughs> no, okay. What happens to your body? Feel more relaxed. When I do that, I feel like my whole chest just like opens up. Thank you. Is that what happens? Thank you, Cassia. You changed your posture, didn't you? Immediately, instead of this. It's actually quite empowering now that you've told me to do that because I feel very like, I don't know, I just feel very confident for some reason, but I, I don't know why. It changes your whole outlook on life. It makes you, instead of looking down at the world, you're now looking ahead. Yes. That's what it does. So that's the first thing. Now you see, Assad, now you've explained it, has got it. Because what did he focus on? He focused on the orange, the juice, when in fact that was only, that was only symbolic. What was really going on was that you were changing your whole posture, the way you look at everything in your life, and, and it actually opens you up. It makes you more accessible. So can I ask you, can I ask you, because you've talked about your mind and um, you've talked, I think, what people will now call, talk about mental health. And we saw in your club, there's a, almost a module that you do around mental health and the mind and how to train the mind. And we're, we're quite interested in how mental health differs between different groups. I know as an Asian person, someone with Indian heritage, it's very stigmatized to talk about our mind. Um, and I know from conversations I have with people from black communities, it's a very similar thing. So what do you see in that, in like in that sense of making mental health accessible to everybody? Is it the same approach works for everyone or is it that certain groups need certain nuances? Well, it's actually not some of certain groups because to be honest, whatever stigma is attached to it in the Asian Indian community, it's the same thing in the black community, it's seen as a sign of weakness. Um, we, we, we've got, what we've got to do is try and encourage people to talk. In fact, what I say to people is this, be kind to everybody you meet, because you don't know what internal battles they may be fighting. And that, is, that probably explains the whole mental wellness, totally. Everybody we meet, could have an internal battle they're fighting mentally that you know nothing about and they don't feel able to share it with you. But here's how we can all individually help each other. And this applies whether you're Asian, Indian, black, white, whatever it is. When you call up your best friend on Zoom or whatever it is, and you, you say to them, don't just say, how are you doing, matey? Have a deep conversation about how they're doing. So the conversation can go like this. Um, Asad, did you sleep okay last night? You're sleeping all right. And you'll go, well, yeah, I didn't really have a good night last night. And well, is that always the case? Or is it just a one-off? No, no, in the last week, I reckon, well, how many days do you reckon that? Oh, how many nights do you find that you didn't sleep? Well, probably three or four, I didn't really. I found I woke up at 2.30, I couldn't get back to sleep. What about you eating, Asad? How's it going? Well, you know what? I've not really felt like eating very much. Um, it's just, yeah, I just don't have the appetite any longer. Um, 
what kind of thoughts do you have, Asad? Do you have times during the day when you just kind of find yourself sitting and looking into space? Um, yeah, yeah, I find that kind of happens quite often, right? There are times when if I, I can't actually even concentrate on anything. I just feel like if you ask me what I was thinking about, I'll say to you, well, I'm not thinking about anything. What that person is doing right there and then is painting a picture of where they are mentally. And they're crying out to you for help. And so your answer to all that is this. You say, you're entitled to feel the way you feel. I'm giving you permission as your friend. You're entitled to feel the way you feel. If you need, though, to actually have me listen to you, guess what? I can be available any time of day or night. So if you want to call me up and virtually at 12 o'clock, we just sit and have a chat. I'm there for you. If you want to have a, let's, why don't we have a virtual champagne party where you're in your location, I'm in mine, right? What you're doing is you're creating the environment for that person to feel comfortable to start speaking. Yes? And then on top of that, because you've given them permission, they're now feeling better. Right? And, and trust me, by you crying out for help in that way, it doesn't mean that you're failed. What it means is you're not alone. It means that that friend of yours now becomes a real deeper friend because we know there's stigma. We know the, the moment you admit to mentally needing some help, people think that you need to go in the nut house when it's nothing to do with that because there are lots of us, right, who are suffering either um, through depression and not recognize the depression uh, are having stressful symptoms and don't recognize it because you realize that every single medical medical condition you have, the starting point is probably something to related to stress. Heart disease, stress-related. Lack of eating properly, stress-related. Hairs in the back, feeling like the hairs are standing up. Pain in the back of the neck, shoulders up to here. All those are signs, right, that in fact you're under stress. So the mental is the problem, right? And that's why nowadays we keep talking mindfulness because what it does is softens the whole thing about mental, yeah? Because mental suggests the wrong, wrong thing, yeah? It's really interesting actually hearing you talking about this and on the face of it, I look at you and I think, wow, you are a very open, you're coming across as a very open-minded black man who is very willing, very open to talk about mental health and actually... I then think about some of my male black friends who are very guarded as a result of, you know, institutional racism or all sorts of things, really, whatever lived experience they have. How how do you address those kinds of conversations um, with men who maybe not maybe not at the same point in your journey mm. of openness? Not everybody's willing to talk about it, especially from communities or racialized communities where, you know, there's all sorts of things that I could talk about, but it could be your parents think it's a weakness or you've been taught sure. to hold all your emotions together all the time or whatever it may be. How would you go about that conversation? Because I think this is really interesting because you, you're obviously a black man. So how would you talk to <laughs> a, black, a black man friend <laughs> if he wasn't yeah. as open as you? Listen, I mean, the, the, there's one thing that if you're from Jamaica and probably, and I don't like generalizing, talking about sexuality is a real problem especially acceptance of someone who is gay. It's a real problem. It's, a, it's almost like a taboo subject. And in the black race, that's why prostate cancer, that's one of the reasons why prostate cancer is rife, because they are so homophobic that what they won't do, right, is go along to a doctor to get the inspection done, purely because as far as they're concerned, 
right? No, 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 no. That's and and so it's it's always going to be a difficult subject, right? Uh, no matter what you're dealing with, whether you're dealing with mentally, or dealing with sexuality, or whatever it is, it's going difficult. All you can do is actually appeal to the, if there's a woman in the relationship, appeal to the woman in the relationship, and I tell you why. The only person who will ever send a man to the doctor or get a man to go to the doctor is the woman. The woman who will make the appointment, she'll call it up, she will remind him, she will do everything to get him to it. Equally, she's the only one that can probably sit him down and get him to start talking about things that's bothering him. Because if we from the outside try to get them to open up to us and they don't know us, it's not going to happen. We need to actually get, in many ways, we've got to kind of educate the woman in a relationship to do it. Well, I do want to jump in a bit there because you just talked about homosexuality. And so as a gay man, I'm like, well, how would this work? Because like, would my partner, um, would it therefore be on them for, for this? So I think yes. there is, there's there's always, maybe yes. that's what you're saying. It's like, go through the partner, go through their trusted. Yeah, go through the, yeah, I should have said the partner, go through the partner. It doesn't always yeah. have to be, because then I just feel like that's a lot for, for women to have to do yeah. to, to sort it out. No, absolutely right. The, the partner is the key. Kathy is laughing because Kathy is like, "Ain't my job." <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I, I think go through the partner because the thing is, at the end of the day, we look our partner. We care about our partner, and we care about what they say, and we always believe that our partner have got our best interest in in mind. So on that basis, right, they can often say things, right, in a, in a way in which it makes it a bit more palatable, right, because I think. We've got to also encourage this platform of openness because this platform has allowed us to actually be in the, the protection of our room, of our home, without necessarily feeling totally invaded. You mm. see what I'm going to So therefore, you still have that. You're like an onion that's got all the layers still on, and you're only going to remove what you really want me to see. All you've done here is removed a little bit of it. But whereas your partner can remove all those layers and see into you. So I think that's what we've got to do is encourage the conversation and the more and more the media have the conversation the more it becomes a word or a conversation that's out there it's happening all the while right um it's a bit like if you go back when when i was growing up gay meant you were happy it took years and years so for gay to, to become to change that's what we've got to do right yeah. and they say for something to become a habit it has to be done 21 times so it could yeah. be 21 weeks, 21 years, 21 months, whatever it is. Can I ask you then um, about yeah. words? Because we, we mentioned in the word association racism and you said yes. opportunity. And I'd yes. love to know what you mean by that. I think it's the opportunity to have conversation. Because I believe that this last year, for many reasons, the opportunity has arisen many times for us to have deep conversations about about race, right? Deep conversations. And in fact, the only thing I'll ever thank Donald Trump for was the fact that what he did was give us the opportunity to sit around the table and discuss bigotry, um, misogyny, all that kind of stuff, right? Because you saw in him what you didn't want to become, right? So therefore you talked about it. And then all of a sudden you realize the differences of opinion that we all have. And once we can recognize the differences of opinion we have on a subject, that is the, the fuel for future conversation. And I believe that's the fuel also for ending up with a resumption or getting change to happen. 
That's what we need to do. That's what I mean by opportunity. Well, it, well, isn't it amazing? You have Meghan Markle talking to Oprah about racism and the level of conversation we're having about what is racism yep. and what you've experienced in your sure. television career. Sure. We might not have spoken about even a year ago because we didn't feel yep. comfortable. We weren't in our homes. Yep. There's all of this put together. Sure. And I think for you now in, in that place of opportunity, like, do you look back on yeah. things and you, I don't, I'm not sensing any anger from you. I'm, I'm just sensing that you see it for what it was. Ang- anger, anger is one letter short of danger. Interesting. Okay. Right. And so what you have to do is there are things that really annoy me. There are things that could really get me my blood to boil. But the moment I push on my shoulders, some pieces of wood, I'm weighted down. I no longer can fly the way I want to fly. And there are so many people who have gone before me who have shown an example of how you cope with situations like this, like um, Nelson Mandela how you can spend 20 odd years in jail, right? And still come out and not hate the human race, right? So there are loads of people, Gandhi, there are loads of people before us, right? Whose life has actually given us um, the kind of life lesson that we all need. And so I'm not angry, but what I believe I'm in is a position where I can now talk about this because the insecurities I may have felt before in that I was afraid to talk about it because I thought it may stunt my career. Because more and more people are coming out and talking about it. It makes it so much easier now for me to voice it. It's almost the same thing with the gay community. Because don't forget, the more and more people talk about it, the easier it becomes. It's out there, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's the easier it, beca- easier it becomes. So, so what I'm getting is, is because it's changing face. Don't forget the way women have been empowered to talk out, right? The, you know, with the movement purely to do with all the years of suffering in silence. And now they're able to because enough people are doing it. So that's what's going on. And also, I'm actually at age 68 at the point where I don't care what you think. If you don't agree with me, that's your business. As far as I'm concerned, I'm going to speak about what's happened to me. It's the truth. Whether you believe it or not, that's up to you. But it's never held me back because what it is, I believe in my ability. And I believe, right, that uh, the price of success is perseverance. And I must never give up. And I must never sit on the riverbank waiting for my ship to come in. I've got to swim out to it. That's what I believe. This is, I mean, this has just been amazing. What what a delightful conversation this has been. Thank you. Um, and I'm just thinking, where, where you know, where where can people go next? So I know that they can go to find the warm up on Amazon yeah. um, and get the book. They can go to find your club. club, which is I think the Mr Motivator Club. Mr Motivator's Club. Yeah, I think it's number two on Google now. So if you put it in, it, it comes up automatically. And, and what what comes next? Where what, is it? World domination after this, Mr. Motivator's empire. Well, let me say this to you. You know, in the last year, I was adding up. I think it's three hundred and twenty interviews I've done. Everything from the Chinese Global Network to Access Hollywood or New York Times, through to Brazil, name it. And every time I get interviewed, the message that people want to hear is one of hope. Is one of explaining to them that. The pandemic is no different to some of the hurricanes that we're all going to face in our lives, whether it's the loss of a loved one, whether it's that job you didn't get or that accident you had or that operation you had to have. They're all the same, all a pandemic. There's a starting point, which often you don't control, and the end point, you sometimes can't control it because with all of those things, you've got to heal. It takes time to heal, to come out the other side. But 
we must look at what's gone on and say to ourselves, we need to use that as the foundation stone for what makes us who we are in the future. And so I believe my message is not just to promote the physical side. Yeah, of course, it's important. And I love the physical side. But to say to you that, listen, look at me. I'm trying to tell you that this is good for you, that there's a curative power to exercise that cannot be explained. Any condition you have it, you'll slow down the rate at which it comes forward. Uh, if you had to go into an operation, you recover much quicker. So no matter what your age, start now. And if you're young, start now putting into the reserve, the fitness reserve bank, all that stuff so that when you need it, you can call up on it. But the most important thing is find something you enjoy doing physically. And if you find it, then do it with all your might, right? If you don't like doing it, don't do it. I never see happy joggers, right? Because they, they will tell you it's the shower afterwards. That's great. While they're doing it, it's not that great, really. <laughs> They'll say we love it. But no, no, they're never happy. Whereas me, anytime I'm doing my fitness, I've got a big smile on my face, right? And that's my message to everybody. And so for the future, I want to keep doing that. I want to keep talking away. I'm going to fight to get my own show. And it will happen. I'd never give up on it. It will happen. I believe I want to do the kind of feel-good show where we just highlight people who have gone beyond and, you know, they've coped with difficulties in their lives and they've come out the other side with a smile on their face. Their story could be an inspiration. That's what I want to do. Well, if our podcast is proof of that, both of us have big smiles on it. our face. Well, so Motivator, MBE, thank you very much. We've loved speaking to you. Really good talking to you guys. Really great. I wish you well, yeah? You, you too. too. I wish you well. Take care. My Take pleasure. care. Bye-bye. All the best. Speak Easier podcast by the Unmistakables. So, Kathia, Lord Motivator, MBE, <laughs> TV royalty. We've just met TV royalty. How does how does it feel? It feels great. I feel very energized, very positive, and I've got fantastic posture now. So that's that's always a plus. How about you? I loved it. I I just didn't think we would go into the topic of racism with someone who we grew up mm. watching on the TV. And mm. it just made me realise how amazing it is that we've all been able to open up about these sorts of conversations, even though we've all been locked down and closed away. I actually feel like the conversation has become healthier. I think that's the, the thing with lockdown is lockdown can feel like complete isolation, but actually it can also mean really great connections from the comfort of our homes. That, that conversation just now was just proof of that. Addressing quite deep issues, actually, in a really lovely way. What a lovely guy. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I think everyone should check out Mr. Motivators Club. And if they are checking things out and want to check us out, then it's at underscore unmistakables on the social platform. And you'll see us again soon for another episode of The Speak Easier. Thank you, Kathy, for being an excellent co-host today. And you. Speak Easier podcast by the Unmistakables.